Today's reading is Jesus and the Samaritan Woman. It's quite a long reading. It's a story, so sit back and imagine it happening in your mind's eye. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptising and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptise them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field of Jacob that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides... Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at the Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, 
when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. None of them have the ner- had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is the word of the Lord. Gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks for your word. May your Holy Spirit continue to open up your word for us today that we may understand it for our lives. May your Holy Spirit be upon us, opening our hearts and our minds to your leading, your presence in our lives. Lord, we give you thanks that you always speak to us afresh and anew. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. And I love, I love this reading. It's a, it's a long reading, but it is a reading that is so full of, of depth and meaning. We're in our fourth week in our series of Encounters with Jesus, where we have been looking at how Jesus has encountered various people um, through the biblical narrative, but we've also been looking at how Jesus and God has been encountering us in our lives and the various um, activities of lives through what has been happening within our lives. Um, we've, we've had a bit of a story for myself. We've had a little look into some, some stuff from Annette. We've had Ron and Betty last week. And this week, we're going to have the privilege of hearing from Zach. Who unfortunately... Hi, everybody. I'm Zach Stanning. Hi. Keep going. Zach's good. Hi, everybody. I'm Zach Stanning. I come here at PUC. Um, I've been coming here basically all my life. And I guess today I'll tell you a bit about my testimony. Um, So growing up in a church, I think there's a big thing here where you start to decide where is God and Jesus? Is that your faith or is it just your parents' faith? Um, And so I think coming to youth group and doing Revolve through my high school years was really formative. Um, It was something that really helped me get in stride with God and what it meant for me. I think one night we went and did a big combined youth night and it really changed my life in the regard that there was a moment where the speaker did the classic, you know, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come on out the front. And I, I had felt something, you know, well up in me and I had never really done that. I'd always gone to these big combined youth nights and I never thought, oh, I always thought, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't need to do that. But there was something that night where I felt like the speaker was looking straight at me and that, you know, it just hit me right, right in the heart. And it was just like, yeah, you know what, actually, I don't think I ever have done this and maybe I should. So I went up and I gave my life to Jesus and it was pretty awesome. 
And I guess from there, you know, it only takes what it's sort of one little thing for more things to show up, you know. Um, there's so many different experiences to talk about. And I think the biggest thing about my faith and why it has continued and why I love God so much and just love coming to church to worship Him is because of the continuous experiences that are undeniable, you know, that that is Jesus, that is God, that is the Holy Spirit moving. Um, one such time I was just in my car and I just had worship music on and it was just like felt the Holy Spirit overcome me and it was just like, yes, God, yes. And literally, I think I drove for like 10 minutes and I was just praising God, just saying, thank you, Lord, thank you. And, you know, if someone was maybe driving next to me, it might have been a bit weird. But for me at that time, it was just like everything clicked. Um, it didn't matter that I was struggling with something at the time. It just was this moment with God. And it was just really, really awesome. Um, it's hard to think about some other sort of stories as well, I guess, because I find, you know, you can find God in everything, even in the small things, um, whether it be just praying for a car spot when you're in the parking lot and you get one, you're like, oh, thanks, God. You know, I think that's um, sometimes we like to think that God's in the church, which he is. Um, but he's not limited to just that, you know. Um, there was one other story, I guess, is that um, when I was younger, I really liked this girl. And my um, I've told this one at youth as well. Um, my friend, I thought, liked her too. Anyway, we went to this party. And I said to him, hey, mate, do you like her? You know, I don't want to step on any toes. I'm just checking. And he said, no, Zach, it's all good. You go for it. And I was like, cool. Sounds good. Anyway, the night went on and stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to shoot my shot or whatnot. But at that moment, I had turned and I actually saw the guy that I was talking about. Um, he was making out with her. So as you can imagine that my heart just sank and uh, I, it was a bit rough. And then he had found out what had happened and he came up to me and he was in tears and really just sobbing his eyes out and being like, Zach, I'm so sorry. I've betrayed you. I'm sorry about this. And I had a moment here where... You know, you can choose to do what the world wants you to do and say, mate, I'm done with you. Get out of my face. But there was a real moment here. And that moment was like, you know what? Actually, I'm, as a Christian, I'm called to be more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? You know, how can I be a Christian in this person in this moment? And so I ended up forgiving him. And I said, hey, man, it's all good. I forgive you. And there was a really cool moment there you know even at a young age of like I don't know 16 or 18 sort of thing um, about how how you could still be doing that at that age you know is like be empowered for being young um, I think another like I've had plenty of times I find myself getting into these situations when I end up talking to friends when they're out uh, and about and we talk about God and stuff and for me I think a big part of that is that how can I be a Christian of this person how can they sort of experience Jesus through me, you know, that God can work through me to potentially make them, their lives better, you know. And something, sometimes it's just listening. Um, I found that a lot in my life, that sometimes people, people just need to be heard, you know, and I believe that that's what Jesus would have done, you know. He would have taught and he would have listened. Um, and he hung out with some weird people, I'm sure. So, you know, I think that's part of it too is that, not maybe not everybody that you're like oh I want to go hang out with them but there's some people that you know you go hey actually 
I reckon that person needs just to be heard right now. So I think that's a big part of that. I've had friends, you know, talk to me a lot about different things. And um, one friend in particular, you know, he had this moment where he just wheels fell off the wagon and he was crying for like, you know, um, like an hour and we were in a restaurant. So it was a bit of a hard setting, but you know, in that there was another moment there where it was like, actually, can I pray for you? I think, you know, and it was a bit like, well, anything to maybe make me feel better. So it was like, all right, well, we're on, you know. Um, and from that, you know, going down in, uh, sorry, part, like after that, he had this moment where he said to me, you, you don't know how much that has helped me, um, just even you listening and the prayer and stuff. And he said, that has honestly changed my life. You know, he was like, oh, it really, it really meant something to me. You know, I was in a dark place and that, that really brought me out. So I think, yeah, I guess part of my testimony is finding these people in these different parts of my life and just spending time with them. So, yeah. I, I, lo I love Zach's testimony there and, and his story and his encounters. And I love how he encounters in, in everyday activity. It's like driving in the car and worshipping in the car, but how that actually draws him to to actually change of behaviour and the attitude towards everyday circumstances and, and how he then wants to share with other people and being open in that. I love how that encounter he's had, that encounter with God, has drawn him to change his behaviour. I, I want to kind of talk today about, you know, how, how everyday activities, you know, we can find God. You know, um, the reading that we've had, the Samaritan woman is is heading off to draw water from a well and she encounters Jesus there in an everyday activity. Everyday activity of gathering water. You know, now, we might not consider that an everyday activity you know, because we've got water that comes to us through pipes now and we don't have to wander off and go and draw water from the well and then carry it back to our home and, do th and cook with it and wash with it and clean with it. Um, although some parts of the world that is still the case. But, you know, we still have everyday encounters with God. Just in the everyday. It doesn't have to be mountaintop experiences. And, you know, we do encounter God in mountaintop experiences and special moments. But it's often in the everyday, in the things that just happen. Let's just quickly recap, and we won't put it on the screen, I'll just quickly go through just how this encounter happens in the first place, just in the everyday. See, Jesus is having to go through Samaria on the way, and, and, and this seems kind of odd because it's not a location that they would normally want to walk through. But eventually he came to a Samaritan village, and, and near this field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph was Jacob's well there. Um, and it's got a long history and tradition there. And, and Jesus, because the long walk was tired and sat down um, nearby a, a well, nearby this well, and it was in the middle of the day. Soon along comes a Samaritan woman just to draw water out from the well for her daily activities. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had just gone in to go and get some food, you know. And the woman was surprised because there was this Jewish man speaking to her, a Samaritan woman. Jesus said, you're a Jew. She said, 
to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? And it's got crossing cultural divides and boundaries that are there. And Jesus then replies, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me to give you living water. And I think that's so important for us. You know, are we willing to ask God for living water in our lives? Are we willing to ask God to give us that living water? I want to give you this little reflection. So often when we read this passage, when, when, when we preach on this passage, when we look at this passage, we quickly go to the woman and her lifestyle and the reason she's collecting water in the middle of the day instead of early in the morning. You know, traditionally it was that people would go early in the morning because it's you know, not so hot um, to get the water for the day and yet she's in the middle of the day. They were kind of thinking that she was an outcast because of her lifestyle because of the choices she'd made. They hone in on the fact that she's made wrong choices and, and that she's been ostracised from that. But that's not actually what I want to do. You know, just hold it there. That's not what I want to actually focus in on, hone in on today. I actually want to focus in on the conversation that Jesus has with her. And I want to do it on a, on a broader, bigger level. I'm going to share with you a little bit um, of of some information around building a discipling culture, um, BDC. And building a discipling culture is all about trying to get us as disciples to make other disciples, to share our faith and, and help other people come to know Jesus Christ. And, and we do this by looking at the ways that Jesus does this. And one of the things that Jesus does in this passage is he, he takes this conversation, an everyday conversation about drinking water, and turns it from that everyday conversation there about drinking water and turns it into a meaningful conversation about life and what's going on in her life and, and what's been happening into a deep spiritual conversation about living water that will never run dry and, and coming and knowing that the, here is the Messiah here with you to one of choice about wanting to follow. So part of this is you, how do we in our life take our everyday moments, our everyday conversations and move them from just those everyday, drink of water, how's the weather, what's going on, move it from there to a deeper, more meaningful, purposeful conversation with somebody and then to draw it into a spiritual conversation about what is happening and, and, and that God has a place for you and you are loved by God and no matter what's gone in your life, God is there for you. See, Jesus does this all through that passage. He moves the conversation around. doesn't just leave it in water. doesn't just leave it in animosity. doesn't just leave it as being pulled apart because of cultural divides. He speaks truth into her life, and he challenges her. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert. Has anybody ever gathered, you know, picked that up? Annette's going, yes, you are. <laughs> Annette can attest that you know, my favourite thing is to be quiet by myself. You know? um, Annette, Annette's an extrovert, by the way, just to put it out there. And, and you know, her favourite kind of activity to do is let's go out and be with people. And I go, oh, okay, let's not, you know. Completely different. You know, we're, we're different. And, and for me, 
small talk I have trouble with. You know, I've bought books on small talk and being able to just have those everyday kind of little conversations with it, um, with people on how just to have those, you know, things. And I, I don't know about you, but I'd rather move to a meaningful conversation than have a conversation about the weather or, or about, you know, the football teams. Although both Cronulla and Manly didn't do well this week. We don't need to talk about that, you know. Then both the teams kind of didn't really turn up to play, you know. Um, but hey, you know, I, I'd rather not just have those conversations. I'd rather have something a bit deeper. I'd rather push into that. So I, I have, I struggle with small talk conversations, but it's important to be able to have those everyday kind of conversations with people, you know, and lead it, because they're the conversations that lead into a more meaningful conversation, a deeper conversation for our lives. See, Jesus here, he moves the conversation from that everyday about drinking, um, everyday conversation about divide between the, the Samaritans and the Jews into a meaning, more meaningful conversation, a deeper conversation about this woman's life and, and how he's been able to see her whole life and what has gone on and relationships that have broken down and and, and how she's coming in the middle of the day and doesn't just sit on that, but then says, do you want the living water that only will give, continue to feed you? See, Jesus moves the conversation from the everyday to the meaningful to the spiritual to a whole choice conversation. See, this encounter that this woman has with Jesus is, um, what does she do? When, when Jesus moves that whole conversation through to a point of going, I am the Messiah, you are here with me, the one, the, the chosen one, the one of God. God here incarnate. Didn't it actually kind of get to that point of saying, but here's the Messiah. What does she do? She leaves everything behind and, 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 and she heads back into town to tell people about her encounter with Jesus and then she brings people back to come and meet the Messiah you know it, it's really interesting because when you actually look at this the woman is not 100% convinced she's actually going off to tell people about her encounter with Jesus about the one who's told me all about my life and she's not 100% convinced. But she's willing to go and share about her encounter with this person. It's really kind of important for us to even think that maybe the encounters we're not fully settled upon. We don't kind of understand it completely, but we do share it. We want to share those things. I, I, I'll put, we'll put it up on the screen again. Uh, about what the woman did. So the woman left her water jug. So she'd gone to get water. And the encounter and the conversation that she has with Jesus means that she leaves what she was doing to go back to tell other people about this. Now you can take it of two ways, you know. Either she was so afraid that the disciples have come and encountered and then she runs off. So she's afraid of actually being there and runs off and leaves her water jug behind. But that's not the case because what happens? 
She goes and finds people and tells people about this person, Jesus, and brings them back. So it's not because she's afraid of meeting these Jewish men that will come back, the disciples and Jesus, and, and how dare that they're having conversation with them. It's that she wants to go and tell somebody about this. Her encounter with Jesus, the conversations he's had, wants to bring her back to tell other people. Now, now, when we read this, we often think that, oh, she just went and went, oh, this person, this person, this person, this person, and just the random people she went and met on the way in were the people that she chose. But let me say this. If she was more outcast, more on the fringe and on that outer society, she would have gone to the people she'd had relational connections with, people that would listen to her and understand her and were able to have conversations with her. She would have gone to those people to tell them about this person, Jesus, and about the encounter she just had. And, and that could, could, this, could he possibly be the chosen one, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for? So she goes to the people that are close to her, that she can have conversations with, that she can have those everyday conversations and deeper, meaningful conversations with and share them with. They're just not the random stranger, but the people that are relationally connected to her. And then she invites them to come to Jesus and they, and they you know, and then the whole village starts to come. You know, you actually hear from one relational connection and it flows on to another relational connection, flows on to another one. And the whole village comes out to find out, to check out whether this person, this Jesus person, sitting at the well is the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for, God's chosen one. This whole encounter of having a conversation, everyday conversation, Moving it to, Jesus moves it to a meaningful and spiritual, to a choice conversation. Do you want to have the living water? Draws her to move from who she was into somebody that is an evangelist. Somebody who is willing to come and invite others to see Christ for themselves. So I want to ask you this. Do you want to pray with me today? Do you want to pray with me to encounter Jesus in your life afresh? Do you want to pray with me to, to come and have the living water of God flow through your life? If you do, just pray with me right now. As it says in John 14, verses 13 and 14, I mean John 4, verses 13 and 14, it says, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. I... It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So do you want that eternal life? Do you want that fresh bubbling spring in your life? Then pray with me. Oh, Jesus, you are the one that gives living water. You are the one that gives eternal life. You are the one that lifts us up. So Lord, encounter us afresh and anew today. Oh, God, in you I place my trust. I trust that you will give me a fresh experience of your great love, O oh God. I trust that you will give me a new experience right now of how you love me unconditionally, deeply. I trust that you will give me strength, that you will give me courage, you will give me purpose no matter what is in my life.
Oh Lord, I trust that you will give us victory. Victory through what you have done on the cross. Victory for all that has happened. And Lord, I boldly declare that, that I'm not going to let my life get in the way of following you. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be willing to go and share what you've done in my life, what you've done for us. I want to share my encounter. I want to share other people's encounters of how God is working in their life. Oh Lord, I seek your will. I seek your grace. I seek your love to be upon my life right now. Oh Lord, I trust you. Oh Lord, I give you thanks. Oh gracious, loving God, I give you praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Amen indeed.